Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This is part one of a two-part story. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. Ian Stewart lived on Baldock Road in Royston with his fiancée, successful author Helen Bailey. The couple shared their home with Ian's two sons from a previous marriage and Helen's beloved miniature dachshund called Boris. Ian and Helen had planned their wedding for September 2016, but in April of that year, Helen disappeared. A note left that looked to be written by Helen requested that no one contact her as she needed some time alone. Over the next few months, appeals for her whereabouts were made by a family and friends, along with most national newspapers, but no one could answer the question, where is Helen Bailey? Helen Elizabeth Bailey was born in Newcastle-upon-Tyne on August 22, 1964. She was raised, along with her younger brother John, by her mother Eileen and father George in the village of Pontyland, Northumberland. She loved animals, and as a child, she said she wanted to be a pony-riding, story-writing forensic scientist who worked part-time as a vet. Helen attended Pontyland High School, though took little interest, daydreaming of anything but lessons and left with what she described as spectacularly disastrous A-level results. She liked the idea of being called Dr Bailey, so she would go on to study physiology at Thames Polytechnic in London, hoping to become a forensic scientist. The reality of studying was quite different from what she imagined. Helen slowly got bored and decided to take a year out. 
she obtained a job working as an office temp before she looked to return to the science lab. While in a new role, she learned how to touch type and found that she enjoyed working more than studying, so she elected not to go back in favour of being a secretary full-time. In 1987, Helen began working for a licensing rights company and it was there, stood next to a photocopier, she met her first husband, John Sinfield. John was a former BBC executive that would later set up a company of his own where he handled the merchandising rights for E.T. and Garfield, amongst others. John and Helen moved to North London, and in May 1996, the couple were married in Barbados. Helen was an avid writer, and it was during her downtime in 2002, between negotiating licensing contracts, she began writing short stories and young adult fiction. In 2008, Life at the Shallow End was published. Aimed at a teenage audience, it was the first book in the hugely successful Electra Brown series. Over the next few years, she would go on to write a number of novels with a fast-paced, easy-to-read style gaining her a substantial following. As Helen and her husband were both workaholics, in 2011, Helen persuaded John they needed a break. The couple decided to return to Barbados for a relaxing holiday. Once there, on the morning of Sunday, February 27th, Helen and John set off to the beach. The sea was calm, and so John decided to go for a morning swim. As Helen lay sunbathing, she watched her husband from the shore. Moments later, she heard his calls for help. As John had been swimming, he was caught in a riptide and was pulled out to sea by the current. Among the screams for help and pleas to someone on a jet ski to rescue him, there was little that could be done. John was rushed to hospital, but sadly he couldn't be saved. That day, Helen's world changed forever and she flew home without her husband on March 3rd. Once she arrived home, Helen began to channel her pain into a blog called Planet Grief, which was a brutally honest view of the bereavement process and her battle to come to terms with the loss of her husband. Helen explained starkly, on that fateful day, she was a wife at breakfast and a widow by lunch. The writing on her blog won her a very different audience as her unfiltered approach resonated with the large number of readers who had gone through similar circumstances and shared her pain. The blog would later be turned into a successful memoir, When Bad Things Happen in Good Bikinis, the title being a reference to her sunbathing while her late husband wandered into the ocean for the last time. It was seven months after the death of her husband, while using a Facebook bereavement group, Helen corresponded with Ian Stewart. Ian had also lost his partner, who had died suddenly in 2010. The two exchanged funny emails and the odd witty text, arranging to meet at the National Portrait Gallery, which was followed by a trip to the cinema. The date didn't go as planned, as Helen was still feeling the grief of losing her husband. The two decided to slow things down, they did meet again, and after some time in each other's company, they slowly began to fall in love. Helen wrote to the followers on her blog that this was the happy ending she so desperately wanted after the death of her first husband, John.
Ian Stewart was born an only child in Letchworth Garden City, Hertfordshire in 1960. His mother Brenda was a secretary and his father Keith worked as a teacher. He attended grammar school, but his childhood was a difficult one. His mother had suffered from postnatal depression, which led to severe bouts of obsessive-compulsive disorder. Ian wouldn't bring his friends home as he felt too embarrassed, fearing what his mother might do or say. After he had completed his schooling, Ian went on to study computer science at Salford University and received first. University was where Ian met his first wife, Diane Lem, and they were married during the mid-80s. Ian successfully applied for a job working at a computer processing company in Hitchin before he decided to start a PhD in Cambridge. He eventually gave up working towards his PhD in favour of a well-paid job as a computer technician, a decision he apparently regrets. Ian and his wife went on to buy their first home, a semi-detached house in Cambridge. They had two sons before settling down in Basingbourne, a parish which is about 14 miles southwest of Cambridge. It was during 1995 that Ian's health began to deteriorate as he was diagnosed with myasthenia gravis, a condition which causes muscle weakness and breathing problems. He had an operation to relieve some of the symptoms, but this left him with one vocal cord and his health declined further. He was signed off work indefinitely, receiving financial support payments for his condition. Ian spent his free time dedicated to his hobbies, and Diane returned to work as a school secretary. Although Ian was now at home most of the time due to his illness, he was not the only one with health issues. Diane had suffered from epilepsy all her life. In one particularly severe episode, she had a fit after the birth of one of her sons and was banned from driving for three years. Despite this, she remained physically active, often jogging and taking aerobics classes. The couple integrated themselves into their local community and the pair were members of the local bowls club. Diane would organise the team's social events and Ian acted as the club treasurer. He took his position seriously. His work was impeccable, though Ian would become very animated on the odd occasion when he was asked to contribute even a minor amount of additional funds beyond his membership fee. The chairman, Bill Manley, told the press he was very, very money-orientated. In our bowls club, he was the treasurer, and I remember two events. One was when our irrigation tank needed replacing, and everyone was asked to chip in a tenner. He was the only one who refused and said he paid membership and shouldn't have to pay any more. The other event was when we had a club final, and at the end there was a nice tea which people had to pay £3 for. He went ballistic. I had to grab him and take him to one side to tell him to shut up and stop embarrassing the club or go home. Even with Ian's outbursts, from the outside the couple seemed happy, despite them being two very different people. Diane was sensitive, outgoing and seen as a pillar of the local community. However, Ian was more reserved and would often become introverted when the couple would go out. On the evening of June 25th, 2010, while Ian was in the kitchen, he watched as his wife had an epileptic fit on the couple's back patio. Ian called paramedics and they attempted to revive Diane, but sadly, despite their best efforts, she passed away. Diane was just 47 years old. Two post-mortems were completed 
and there was an inquest into her death, but no criminal investigation was undertaken. A death certificate states she died from a sudden unexpected death in epilepsy and the circumstances were not seen as suspicious. Ian was left to care for his two sons, who were 15 and 18 at the time. He received a payout of around £80,000 from three separate life insurance policies. A year later, he met Helen Bailey. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Center. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to scentair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at scentair.com. In 2013, after Ian and Helen had been together for a few years, Helen sold her property in Highgate and Ian sold his home in Basingbourne. 
the couple moved to a new property valued at £1.5 million on Baldock Road in Royston, Hertfordshire. Helen's mother Eileen felt uneasy about the couple's relationship, but as she was in constant contact with her daughter, she was just glad that Helen was happy again after the death of her first husband. In 2014, Helen amended her will, leaving a large portion of her fortune to Ian, as she felt that he might be financially vulnerable if she died. Helen registered a power of attorney in May 2015, which would grant Ian and her brother John control of her financial affairs if she became unfit to administrate her estate. After a number of false starts due to illness and circumstance, the couple finally agreed to tie the knot in September 2016 and told a very select group of friends and family to keep their diaries free. It was soon after that, Helen disappeared on Monday, April 11th, 2016. On the Friday of that week, at 3.57pm, Ian Stewart rang 101, a non-emergency number, to report that his fiancée had gone missing. She had apparently left a note for Ian, telling him she needed some space and there were explicit instructions not to contact her. Ian explained on the call that he hadn't seen her since around 2.45pm on Monday, April 11th. Hello there, my partner has been missing since Monday and not contacted anyone. Said she was going away, hasn't gone ended up where she said she was going. So I, we've just decided we should report it. Oh yes, hasn't been reported already? No, it hasn't, no. Okay, right. Um, and she's been missing since Monday? Yeah. Okay, bear with me, so... Uh, what's the address that she's missing from? 45 Bulldog Road. Bulldog Road. And what's the town? Royston, sorry. Royston, no problem. Uh, what's your partner's name? Helen Bailey. Helen Bailey. Is that B-A-Y-L-E-Y? No, B-A-I-L-E-Y. What's her date of birth? Oh, crikey. God, she didn't find me there. 22nd. Right, just let me double check. One second. Oh, God. Sorry. Can you still hear me? I can still hear you, yep. I'm sorry, I'm just double-checking you. As you asked that, it just went straight out of my head. Ah, no problem. 22nd of August, 1964. 54, yep, 1954. 64. 64, my apologies. No, my fault, sorry, not just my brain, just went, sorry. Wait, so, so she's gone away, was that for work business, sorry? No, no. Ian suddenly remembers that Helen left a note. So she, no, she left a note. She said, she said in the note something like, I need space and time alone. I'm going to Broadstairs. Please don't contact me in any way. But in Broadstairs, she's got, we've got a, a cottage down there, but we, people have been down there with neighbours and she hasn't, she's not there. Hasn't been there either. Okay. And uh, nothing like a deadline when she'd be back or when you could contact her, nothing like that at all? No, this has never happened before, no. And her phone is just dead. It's not, well, I say dead. Okay. It just, it just doesn't, it just goes straight to answer me. And someone's been to the cottage and... and someone's been to the cottage, yeah. Her brother went there. Did it look like anyone had been in there? No, no, no. Someone went in and it doesn't like anyone's been in there. Okay. Did Helen go in the vehicle? No, she didn't. She left her car here. She did take her dog with her. She's got a little dachshund. But she could get there by train or she, she could possibly take a taxi. She does do that sort of thing. And the dog was a, a dachshund? Yeah. Okay, so I just need to go through some questions with you. Um, if I 
get through them. Um, can I tell you your name, please? Ian Stewart. S-T-E-W-A-R-T. Absolutely wonderful. So, anyway, I just got the details that we know at this time. Okay. So, when was the last time you saw her? Monday afternoon before, about about quarter to, quarter to three, twenty to three. And did she say anything to you unusual or...? No, nothing before I went out, no. She just asked me to run there and for and after I had been to the doctors. Okay. And um, she said nothing to you then? She, that was, was she leaving the premises at that time? No, no, she was... I left here. Oh, you left her, okay. Uh, it's safe to assume you both, you both live at 45 Baldock Road? Yes. Yeah, yeah. What sort of time did you realise the note had been left? Oh, I, I don't... Yeah, quarter past five, something like that. Yeah, so a few minutes later, yeah. Yeah, not very long. No, not very long, yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. Okay, no problem. And was that note a bit of a shock? Were you expecting it at all? No, I wasn't. Well, yes, it was a shock. She has talked about it, but it was still a shock. Yeah. She has talked about one in space because things just haven't been going well for her recently, okay. or for us. Okay, so she mentioned wanting space, but she's never actually acted on it. She's not left before. She's never done any lives before, no. Okay. And so at this time, we have no idea where Helen is, no? No one, no. And there's, I've contacted, there's four people, basically, who she would contact, her brother, two be- and two best friends. And they, they've not heard from her, and they've assured me they've not heard from her, and they said they promised me they would say if they had. Okay. Are there any specific concerns? And by that, I sort of mean any chance of like suicide or self-harm, anything like that? Well, I, I would say no, but she has... She has been very, very anxious and very worried about lots of things, and she's a very, she's a warrior. She's, as she's a worrier. Can I just sort of ask what sort of things you worry about, like personal things or financial things, or? It can be just about anything. It can be big things. We were, we, we were planning to get, well, we are planning to get married, and the venue went wrong. I've been ill. Her dad's been ill. My mum's been ill. Um, so she, she had to, she went out to, just in the morning, she went out to a drive-in in a fairly new car, yeah. and said, I'm never going to drive again. She did have a little fear, which she didn't, couldn't drive. It's just too scary on the motorways. She got herself a bigger car, but then went out in that, and then came back and said, I'm never going to drive again. Okay. So she's a nervous person, person nervous, worrying person. So she wouldn't pose a danger to anyone, for example? No, no, not at all. No, I would say that was certain. And uh, so you've spoken to two of her brothers and two of her friends? No, I've spoken to her, sorry, I didn't tell her very well. I've spoken to her brother John and two of her friends. Ian goes on to explain that despite telling some friends and Helen's brother about her disappearance, haven't yet informed either his or her parents. And they're the only people who know at the moment because we... Oh, and the neighbour, and the neighbours down at Broadstairs sort of have an inkling that we're all concerned. But we haven't said it, we haven't told her parents or my parents or my son's. Oh, okay, so your parents and Helen's parents aren't aware of this at the moment? Not at the moment, no. Although her brother has spoken to her parents and he's sure, he's, he's sure she's not there. This may sound silly, but she's definitely not at home, no? No, her brother asked that. I, I've, I've literally checked everywhere. We have got quite a large house, but I've literally checked everywhere. And she's never been missing before, no? Not, not since I've, I've, known, I've known her five years, but no, and her brother says no. Five years. Does she have anything, um, any sort of medical or psychological issues at all? Well, she's she's um, well, she's menopausal. That's the only medical issue she's got. Yeah. But she did have a. Well, I don't like to use the word breakdown. So, brother said it wasn't a breakdown, but she she did see a psych 
she was in, well, she did see a psychologist and she was in group therapy. I've framed things as probably about 10 years ago, maybe longer. Well, I, she hasn't said much about that to me, but she did go through that, yeah. So, yes, the answer is to that. Yeah. That was about 10 years ago. Well, I think so, yeah. yeah. I, well, that's what I've just told you is all I knew. Yeah, yeah. All I really know, and that's all a friend really knows as well. Okay, no problem, thank you. And again, sorry to repeat this, but she's not attempted suicide or self-harm ever before, no? No, 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 everyone's sure she hasn't, no. Okay. And can she interact safely with other people? Will she be happy going up to someone asking for directions? Oh yes, oh yes, she's a very lit. She's an author. She's a children's author, and she's written books. Yeah, she's no, she's very, she's very good talking to people. And uh, is she ever likely to be a victim of any sort of abuse that you know of? No, I just know she's a very strong person. It's very hard to abuse Helen. Come back to very strongly. She did. This is probably she lost her husband's. Well, about just over five years ago. Okay. That's how I met her, because I lost my partner, and we met through the bere bereavement group. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, and, just, uh, sorry. I don't know if that's relevant, but I just thought you should better tell you. Oh, yeah, I, I can pop that down. It all helps. Um, it may seem a bit random, but is she likely to be involved or subjected to crime at all? Is she saying, what's, I'm sorry, I heard the word crime, but sorry. I didn't know... Is she likely to be involved with or subjected to crime? No. No. And uh, could you describe her dog for me, if that's all right? It's a miniature accent. I mean, it's brown. It's, 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 a mock. it's not white. It's a smooth coat, miniature accent. Yeah. So it's pretty self-explanatory. Is it male, female? It's male. Uh, does it wear a collar or anything? Yes, it does. It wears a yellow collar with her telephone number and my telephone number on it. Yeah. Well, it does when we're out. Well, it doesn't in the house, but it does when we're out, yeah. Yeah. And it, again, pop some more details down, so bear with me if I go quiet. Okay. Okay, so I just need to go through her sort of physical appearance now, if that's all right. Um, so, what sort of, what's her height initially? Oh, I'm going to guess here. She has told me, but she's probably 5'10", just something like that. Quite tall. 5'10", yeah. And what sort of build? Is she slim? Slim. Yeah, slim. That's easy. No. <laughs> um, her hair colour and style? It's, it's, it's on the shoulder, long. It's, she won't like me saying this, it's, it's black going grey. Grey streak, grey streaky. Not grey streaky, it's going grey, so it's black. It's black, but okay. she's left, just left it natural, so it's, it's got grey highlights in, if you like. Okay. Probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> Ian is then asked what Helen's eye colour is. Oh my god, oh my god, how do you forget these things? <laughs> I don't know at the moment, sorry, it's just gone I out of my head. Blank, that's no problem. Oh my god, that's terrible. That's no problem. And her sort of skin colour? Uh, pale, I guess I would say. Yeah. Pale. Oof. Yeah, is that sort of white pale? Yeah, Yeah, white pale, yeah. Yeah. Okay. God, how can I not remember her eye colour? That's terrible. <laughs> Alright. Okay, so, I've got that information. Leave that with us. What I will do now is I will send this across to our officers and what we'll do is make some sort of inquiries about her, see if you know if if might be with police and hospitals, etc. We'll we'll cover all those bases. Um if you have any further information, please do give us a call and what we'll do is give you a call if we have any further or we need any further information, all right. Shortly after the call, Nicole Goodyear, a police sergeant, arrived at the couple's home to carry out a check of the property. 
An extensive search of the home and all outbuildings were undertaken, however there was no trace of Helen. Over the course of the next three months, investigators slowly began to retrace the events that led to a disappearance. On the morning of April 11th, 2016, Ian was up before Helen, so made her scrambled eggs for breakfast. Between 8.16am and 10.58am, Helen used her iPad to browse the internet and search for wedding venues. Between 11.43am and 12.59pm, Ian Stewart's phone showed no signs of activity. Ian had told the police that Helen loaded his car with some items to be taken to the tip. One of the items for disposal was a duvet cover. This had been soiled as Helen had been unwell. Around 2.45pm, Ian reportedly left his home and Helen was to have said nothing out of the ordinary. A witness stated to police they saw a woman that afternoon matching Helen's description walking on a path near Bulldog Road around 2.45pm wearing a green coat. A friend then tried to call Helen on April 11th at 3.08pm, however the call went straight to voicemail. By 3.18pm, Helen's mobile phone had been switched off and it never connected to a mobile network again. When Ian returned home later that day at 5.15pm, neither Helen or a dog Boris was at the property. It was assumed that Helen had taken Boris out for a walk and hadn't returned. Ian sent a number of text messages to Helen with one reading, Please let us know you're okay. Everyone seems worried. Helen's brother John later travelled to a holiday home at Broadstairs in Kent, rang the doorbell, looked through the letterbox, but there was no answer. He put a note through the door and passed his contact details to Helen's neighbours, asking them to contact him if she eventually turned up. On April 15th, Ian reported her disappearance to the authorities after her brother was becoming increasingly anxious. A suitcase and passport hadn't been taken, so it was not likely Helen had travelled far. Ian was asked by authorities why it took him so long to report her disappearance, and he explained that Helen would have been angry if he had done so and she reappeared. There was also some concern, given Helen's notoriety, it would have created some speculation in the press, and her family were wary of what this could do to her reputation. The police, and her brother John, asked to see the note that Helen left Ian. However, Ian told them he must have disposed of it accidentally. It was later on April 15th that Ian sent an email to Helen telling her how much he loved her and a day later Ian drove to Broadstairs in search of Helen. On April 21st, the police arrived at their home to ensure that Helen wasn't located somewhere on the grounds of the large property. Sniffer dogs were brought in, however they could find no trace of a body. A cesspit in the garden was drained although this also turned up nothing. The following day, on April 22nd, police conducted their first interview with Ian. They found no new clues as to where Helen might be. Police also confirmed that the woman spotted by a witness walking a dog in a green coat on April 11th was not Helen. An extensive search by friends and family was undertaken, and flyers with a picture of Helen with her dog were circulated. The message on the flyer read... Helen Bailey, missing since the 11th of April 2016, last seen in Royston Hearts with a Dachshund, Boris. 
Helena's connections in Northumberland, Kent and London. A hashtag Where is Helen Bailey was used and a Twitter account Where is Helen was set up in order to promote her disappearance on social media. The Hertfordshire Police Force sent out a number of messages on Twitter which were retweeted by author J.K. Rowling. This brought new attention to the case but only heightened the speculation that surrounded Helen's disappearance. The following month, on May 4th, a second interview was undertaken with Ian Stewart. What we've we've discussed and what I've been told by the investigation is that Helen um, was last seen on Monday the 11th of April. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, I would like you to take me through what happened that day. This is where I can't remember very well. I'll tell you what I can remember, but what some of what I can remember is maybe what I've said since and when I've looked in the diary, things like that. Okay. Just that day. Start with that day. If that, if you're comfortable starting with that day, that's the day that we would like to concentrate on, for as long as you're comfortable with that. Well, I remember bits of it. The first bit I remember is we loaded the car, or Helen loaded my car, with an old duvet and some boxes ready to take to the dump. Then... And she was in her office for a while. He struggled to recollect the events from April 11th. And then, I'm not sure that this is right, this is the bit I'm not sure was right. At some point I saw the note on my desk from Helen. And at some point I had to dash out because I was late, so I could see I could be late, so not dash out. I'm pretty sure Helen waved goodbye to me. But when I think back, I'm not so sure, so maybe she rushed in. Ian had to cut the interview short as he told officers he was too tired and his illness would be exacerbated if he continued. The only other thing is, obviously you're telling us you're hungry. We ideally probably would like to do another interview with you. Another one? Just to continue, because we've rushed through some bits, but how are you feeling at this moment in time? I'm very I'm, I'm okay, but I'm aware, I'm really aware, and this is from my senior point, and I need to rest. Okay. This is from my senior point, I do need to rest. I'm very aware of that. Because I do, my mind seems well controlled. But if I do something stupid, and I get really tired, okay. then I, I can become very ill. So I, I do try and avoid that on a day to day basis. So for medical health reasons, you're saying you know your, your condition that you have, which is, say again? My senior gravis. My senior gravis. And obviously you've recently had an operation on your stomach. And that's not helping. And that's not mm-hmm. helping. So you're saying that essentially if you get too tired and too stressed, it's going to make your health deteriorate and I know it will. Yeah. The, I've been silly in the past and it has to. Okay. Has done. We need to end it now. Yeah. Sorry, just see the time. Over the following weeks and months, both Helen's family and Ian made a number of appeals to the public in the hope someone might have spotted her. It was uncharacteristic for her to just disappear and the chief inspector for Hertfordshire Police was quoted in the press saying, There has been no financial activity, but we know she had instantly available quite large sums of cash. During the month of June, Ian travelled to Spain for a holiday. He also renewed his season ticket for Arsenal Football Club. A number of articles appeared in most UK national newspapers, asking the question, where is Helen Bailey? The answer would be found less than a month later. This is the end of episode 4, but to hear more on the investigation into Helen Bailey's disappearance, please tune in next time.
thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. This week's podcast recommendation is Australian True Crime. Hosts Michelle and Emily interview writers, victims, investigators and perpetrators examining the underbelly of Australia's towns and suburbs to uncover the darkness at the heart of Australian life. Keep listening for a trailer at the end of this podcast. If you would like to support They Walk Among Us and receive early access to ad-free episodes along with other extras, just head to patreon.com forward slash They Walk Among Us. We've set up a Facebook group where you can discuss the cases featured in the show, your favourite podcasts or anything in between. Just head over to Facebook and search for They Walk Among Us podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at TWAU underscore podcast or follow us on Instagram under They Walk Among Us podcast. She'd rang me when the killers came to the house and I wasn't home. Australian true crime. Stabbed uh, 19 times and a body was left on the side of the road. We think it's time you heard the stories the Australian Tourist Board would rather you never knew. She's probably going to die. Interviews with survivors, perpetrators and investigators. Australian True Crime on iTunes and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.